Welcome to This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Rebecca Simmons, an associate professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and material science at Duke University. I'm joined with Priya, Reina, Sydney, Fran, and Grant, all undergraduate students also at Duke University. In today's episode, we're talking about women in engineering, and we have a fantastic interview with Dr. Karis Boyd-Sinkler, Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion for Duke Engineering. I also interview five undergraduate women engineers to get their perspective of what it means to be a woman in Pratt. Thank you for joining us. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Sydney, and I'm here with Grant and Priya and Dr. Karis Boyd-Sinkler, who is the new Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in the Pratt School of Engineering. Today, we're going to be talking about women in STEM. So thank you, Dr. Boyd-Sinkler, for joining us today. No, thank you so much, Sydney and Priya and Grant, for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, thanks for coming. I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question, and it's very general. What has your experience been like as a woman in STEM? For example, I know Sydney and I are both engineers, and she's also a CS major. We've had experiences being the only female in a class or in a team or having a lot of male professors. So if you can kind of talk about your experience as a woman in STEM. Definitely has been very unique, I'd say. Not necessarily just thinking about what does it mean to be a woman in a male-dominated field, but also just how do you navigate and what areas do you look for when it comes to your forms of support. So I know my first engineering class as a freshman when I was at the University of Virginia, our intro to engineering course, I remember my professor looking around and seeing how I was the only person of color in the class was like, oh my gosh, wow. And I remember even my professor, every morning he took attendance. And there was a point when he would take attendance and he stopped saying my name. And I was like, oh dear, like I hope he gets my attendance grade. And I went up to him at the end of class one day and I was like, hey, just want to make sure like you're marking me down for attendance. He's like, oh, I know when you're here and when you're not here. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is definitely a class I cannot skip. I cannot oversleep at all. So I know that was my first level of like really feeling like a woman in engineering and feeling like, wow, I noticed whether that's a good reason or a bad reason, but people notice me. And so I'd say a lot of my journey is realizing that since people notice me, whether it's my gender or even because I'm a black female, what can I do to make sure I might counter or change how they view me and others? I know for some people, it's not necessarily a sense of motivation. Sometimes it can be very detrimental, but I think what kind of helped me push through and persevere was realizing like I'm making a way for someone after me. You know, hopefully after this class, after this meeting, I won't be the only black person in this room. And so by being in these spaces and being the only one in some of these classroom environments, and then even as I graduated and moved forward, just seeing the value added that I could give to spaces instead of feeling like I'm detracting from the space or that I shouldn't be there. And so I'd say a lot of my experience has been realizing like, yes, I am the only one, but this is what I can do. You know, this is why I'm grateful for the privilege that I have to be in the space. I can educate, I can explain. And so it is hard, I'd say. Definitely have those times when you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't do it anymore. And that's normal. And it's normal to talk about those feelings. I think sometimes, you know, when you're a woman in these spaces, you feel like you have to like shut it all away or turn it all off or no, I'm just going to keep working harder. And it's like, but what does it mean to work harder? Like I'm already here. Shouldn't that be enough? And so I think a lot of these questions that we go through, 
I think that's kind of where I look at my role here within Pratt is really to say, it's okay if you're having trouble, but what can I do to help support you? You know, do I need to have a conversation with the faculty member, the department more broadly? Or is this just something internally you're really wrestling with because you know, you've been hit over and over and over again and you just feel like you can't do it anymore? I think that's a really interesting perspective, being able to kind of flip the perception to make it something positive. It's a really good mindset. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's cool that you talk about the space that's created as well. A lot of those spaces, especially on the student side of things, occur in student groups when working on projects, when maybe there's not that faculty or professor oversight there. What would you say to students, maybe male identifying students or people who are working in these different groups about how they can create that space where everybody is just another STEM student working towards a common project goal? I think the biggest thing that we can do is really acknowledging people's differences. It's nothing to shy away from from being different, from having an accent or the way you look or what, what you bring to the space. So I would say as long as you're creating an environment that is open to understanding people's differences. So whether that's we're going to have a question to say, you know, what identities do you bring besides an engineer? You're more than just a number. You're more than a student. But, you know, is it, oh, you did a study abroad someplace and you're bringing this perspective? Do you have a friend or do you have a background or family member that might add to how you feel, you know, we should tackle this engineering problem? So I think we create an environment where it's okay to bring those differences instead of saying you have to adhere to this cultural norm of what it means to be an engineer. You know, we stay up late, we do lots of math and science problems. You know, we love to go to cookout at 2 a.m. in the morning as like a refresh, changing that culture and also that climate on what does it mean? And a lot of that's just, you know, bringing those identities to the forefront. Like, yes, you know, I come from a single parent background and this is what it's doing to how I look at this problem or how I approach it or how I have these conversations. Creating an environment where it's safe to talk about those differences. It's safe to not feel like you have to perform or succeed. Oh, because I'm an Asian student, I must be smart. You know, I have to be this outstanding student, but creating an environment where even if you don't feel smart, it's okay. So realizing those strengths and weaknesses that you have and sometimes it's like a questionnaire in the beginning to promote that environment where we're not perfect we're not meant to be perfect we work on teams we collaborate but that environment where it's okay to talk about those highs and lows that we have will make it a better space for people to feel comfortable expressing what they feel confident in doing so that's what i'd say um, and then of course leading with empathy you know not assuming this prejudgment but even if you have these biases how can you work through them or how is someone you're interacting with changing how you look at them? That makes a lot of sense. I think it's cool you talk about the advantage that differing perspectives bring to the table as opposed to making the assumption that someone might have a different skill because of their background or where they come from, making the assumption maybe they have a different perspective and that that's valuable. I really love that perspective to this. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit a lot of great points on that. I really love how you were saying, like Grant you know, said, that Everyone has a different background, and so because of that, you approach problems differently. I do have a follow-up question on that area where I think for me as a woman in STEM, when I've been working in group settings, I'm like pretty much I'm the only girl in the class, so I'll oftentimes be in a group where it's all males. And I feel like while they are very open to my perspective, sometimes the default is giving the female identifying person like the poster because they have nice handwriting or just assuming that they aren't as skilled in coding and should rather the note taker or stuff, or maybe you've had experiences where 
you say something as a woman and then a man repeats the exact same thing and it's considered a great idea but completely ignored when you say it as a woman. So how do you suggest navigating those internal biases in a classroom setting when it's like a group and you don't necessarily want to be the one who calls it out because then it's like, oh, you're crazy, dramatic, over-emotional, but then if you don't say anything, you kind of are just letting that slide. Yeah, no, that is definitely a sticky situation to be in, especially when you're feeling alone in those environments. It's like, you don't want to go to the professor because then it's like, well, we know who told the professor, but it's like, how do you create that conversation? And so a way that I would approach it is trying to see if there's someone who you find as like an ally in the group. So if you're the only woman in a male dominated group, is there another person who you feel comfortable with having a conversation with? Or even just saying, you know, I think I've noticed something. Can we, you know, chat about it really quick? Like, I might be bugging about it, but hey, I feel like I'm always being placed as, you know, the secretary role. I'm always being asked to do one thing. I know even for myself, I was in a group project in my intro to engineering course. And when it came to sending emails, both myself and the other woman in the group, we had to CC one of the particular men in the group. And it was like, why do we need to CC? Like, we can email the professor with just a homework question. He's like, no, but I need to see that you sent it. And so even in that space, it was kind of like, little jargon like well why do you need to know but also we had a conversation about can you explain to me why you feel like i would be best at this so sometimes even asking them to talk about their own biases so sometimes pushing back which can be difficult because you don't want it to blow up and have this whole like jarring conversation between two people going head to head or even being deemed as a difficult woman to work with so i understand that can also be hard but really trying to ask or find someone in the group who you can confide in to kind of bring it up. Or if I mention this, do you mind kind of co-signing in this conversation? Do you mind adding a little bit about what you've seen? Because I don't feel like I'm the only one alone here, but this is what I've noticed. And then if they ask more questions, like, well, I have proof, you know, I have pages on pages of what I've taken so far, or, you know, we can go through email threads. So really trying to ask it, but not being scared to use facts behind it. Yeah, that's great. I really like the idea of asking, like, why do you think that I would be best at this? I think it really forces people to step back and think that, well, you know, I was able to identify that I'm super great in coding, so I just want to do that. And I assume that, you know, you were good at note taking, but you never actually voiced, like, maybe you don't like taking notes. That's definitely a great way to try to allow the group to really make sure everyone is participating in the way they want to versus like just the person who has the loudest voice or the voice that it's heard the most. Yeah. Can I also ask about your role here at Duke now? You've been brought on as the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in Pratt. And I've loved this conversation we've had so far. I'd love for this to be more prevalent in Pratt and for us to actually talk about these things. I'm sure that's one of the many things on the list that you'd like to accomplish. Can you talk to us a bit about your goals here? Yeah. So a lot of it, kind of what we're doing now is having a conversation and realizing that conversations are not always a clean cookie cutter solution. And so my role here is really just to generate more conversations, more discussions, and hopefully more education of people and their curiosity to want to know more. You know, why do we need to have a DEI role? Why in this time and space? Why is it needed? And so my role here is really to educate people who want to learn how to do better, but might feel timid or scared about where to begin. So like one initiative that I'm doing is going to different faculty and staff meetings at the department level and having conversations about allyship. 15-minute conversation, it's not like, oh, a diversity day where people come to me. No, I'm coming to them. I'm going to their meetings and telling them, you know, let's engage in this conversation. When it comes up being an ally, you might be trolled. You might feel intimidated. People might say negative things, but 
why do you need to be an ally in your space? What role do you have as a faculty person, as a staff person? What can you do? And so in these conversations I'm having, it's really just to promote more curiosity. So I present them with a case study to get them to really think about what can they do in their role. And then next month, I'll be talking to them about implicit or unconscious bias. And so each one or two months, I'll have a different topic going to these meetings on. And then also I plan to go to student groups as well. So both graduate and undergraduate students. So continuing these conversations about, we see these rules, we see the world around us, but how can we actually embed ourselves within it? How can we take a role in what we have? And how do we find our own confidence? And even if it is making a mistake, Having a community that's not going to immediately judge you, but look at you as a human and you're trying, but this is where we can move forward. So that's all that my role really is education, but then also cushioning that education with action. So not just me talking about, you know, let's do some things, let's practice, let's engage. What would you do in this situation? And so overall, it's trying to create a better culture and community for students as well as faculty and staff. So it's like I have multiple hats, multiple parties, multiple angles, but a lot of it is really having honest conversations like with you all as far as what's going on. Because I'm not from Duke, I'm not from North Carolina. So a lot of those nuances that you might experience, I like welcome the opportunity to learn. I have office hours twice a week where anyone can come and chat with me anonymously about whatever's going on and start having more students come to me, but really just trying to understand what is it that I can do? What can I bring? Is it a focus you're seeing in your department or in your particular class and you really want support, but also you wanna see action, you wanna see change. So for example, with EGR 101, working with some of the instructors there about one of their implicit bias classes and how they talk about that. What can I do? What can I add to that? Or even things with working with some staff members about job descriptions or hiring different people. How do we ask about what is their role or stake when it comes to DEI? So working in multiple areas is kind of what I do. I popcorn around, but I really want us to create more nuanced discussions. Not feeling like I'm going to come and tell everyone, this is what you all need to do to be diverse and equitable and inclusive, but no, it's kind of hard. It takes time. So what can you do? I can give you tools and resources, but are you going to use them? And if so, how? If so, when? And I'm really trying to push the when and the how, and if so, and really try to encourage people to take action upon themselves as I promote and push ways that you can see to take action. That makes a ton of sense. I love that. And I love the idea of more resources and office hours with you. We'll be sure to link whatever you have available on our website as well. So if anybody wants to have conversations with you, they absolutely can. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I really like the idea of how you were saying it's not really just one area that you have to like, you know, make diverse or make sure that everyone's being included because I didn't even think about the job description part you know, and how that could impact who is being hired, because maybe it comes off a certain way that different people of different backgrounds interpret it differently. And I remember that goes back to, I'm in the Bath Connections program, research class called Improving Girls, Math Identity Through Problem Solving and Mentorship. And that is an awesome, awesome class that I really love. It's looking at the gender gap in STEM, led by Dr. Santian and Dr. Aiken. And they told us about how like, even in job descriptions, sometimes like women want to check off every single requirement. And if they don't check off everything, then they tend to not apply for those jobs. Whereas sometimes male identifying people will just apply if they check off even half of that. So I think that's a really cool point to say, what if we change the language 
in that because that could improve Duke because I do know we have a pretty low female representation in Pratt and I hope that amongst faculty we get more female representation soon so yeah I think that's a great way to really make sure that everyone at Duke is being seen being heard but on that note is there anything else you wanted to share with our listeners maybe advice on like how to stay in STEM even if no one looks like you there or how to make sure you're making Duke the best experience it can be for you yeah i would say don't be afraid to ask for help i know that sounds so 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 cliche but speaking for myself i know as an undergraduate student i was put on probation and so that was pretty jaw-dropping to think oh my gosh i was getting all these great grades and now i'm about to kicked out of an institution but really using that time to reflect and seek out help whether that's with my person or even just a phone call to someone so feel free to reach out to me or anyone else if you're struggling. I know one thing that my uncle told me was you can work for four years and play the rest of your life or play for four years and work the rest of your life. And that really stuck with me about how I approach school about, okay, it's four years, it's stressful, it's hard, but you know what? When I graduate, it's only my name on that diploma. It's not my tutor that I had, it's not the office hours, it's just my name. So it, whoever I need to use to help me get to that diploma, I'm going to use them. And so really not being afraid to ask for help and then also just realizing it's a balance and it's a struggle. I know we try to say like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be great. Keep moving. But, you know, there are some rough days where you're just like, you know what? I need to indulge in some ice cream and Lucky Charms on top and just, you know, sit and binge watch Netflix. So feel free to take those mental days just to breathe for yourself and realize that regrouping, regrounding is needed. You know, you can't just go, go, go. You have to stop. And when you stop, make sure you actually stop. But yeah, I'm here to always talk, share my insight from undergrad or even grad or even professional, personal life. I'm always here to chat. Great. Thank you so much. That was wonderful, wonderful advice. And I definitely feel you on the, making sure you actually relax. Because you can say you relax, but are you fully immersing yourself in the Netflix, the ice cream? Or do you have your notes open on split screen with the movie, you know? So thank you so much, Dr. Boyd Sinclair, for speaking with us today. Like Grant said, we'll be sure to put all your contact information and office hours on our website. So it's wonderful talking to you and we'll hopefully see you soon in office hours. Yes. Thank you again. This is Becky and I am here with five of our women undergraduate students in Pratt. Sydney, can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Sydney. I'm a junior studying electrical and computer engineering and computer science. And this semester, I'm abroad in Denmark. That's great. Gabriella? Yeah, hi, my name is Gabriella. I am a junior studying mechanical engineering. And right now I am on the Duke Motorsports team. Awesome. And Priya? Hi, my name is Priya. I'm a junior. I am a BC BME double major, and I'm part of the Duke Taekwondo team. I'm a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. Great. And Reina? Hi, I'm Reina. I'm a sophomore studying mechanical engineering, and I'm involved in Duke Enable. And Ava? Hi, I'm Ava. I'm a junior studying mechanical engineering and math, and I'm currently on a robotics independent study. That's fantastic. Okay. And Sydney, Priya, and Rena are also our co-hosts, the This Engineering Life. So what does being a woman in Pratt mean in a sentence or two? I think for me, being a woman in Pratt means defying the odds. 
being an example for the next generation, because I, I know that engineering is definitely a male-dominated field. So I think it's really important to be a role model for the next generation and show girls that they can succeed in STEM. That's awesome. For me, well, I know that the ratio is typically a lot more male-dominated than female. And so being a part of that small group feels really empowering because I think of myself as one of those lucky ones who gets to be in that group. Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. Because sometimes in certain classes here, it can feel very isolating being a woman in Pratt. But overall, we have this great sense of community just between Pratt women, which is an incredible experience to have here too. Yeah, going off of what Raina said, I'm friends with everyone here. And there's tons of other female engineers that I'm also friends with because we were the only girls in our classes. And we decided to band together to work together. And also, I just enjoy it because engineering as a field is very challenging. And then on top of that, being in a minority group becomes extra challenging. And at some point, you welcome those challenges and it inspires you to push yourself harder. Yeah. Also, to jump off what Priya was saying, just let your voice be heard. Because the field is so male-dominated, a lot of issues that would affect us are not addressed. So it's nice to be able to voice those opinions and bring that diversity of opinion and ideology to the field. And Ava, you are part of Pratt's DEIC, the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Community, and MEMS, Mechanical Engineering. And you've been on those committees for a little over a year. What has been your insights, anything that you've taken away from being a member of those groups? There's a lot of people, both in MEMS group and then in the larger Pratt DIC group, who are really passionate about promoting diversity and equity in tech and engineering in general. And they just want to make this space a lot more welcoming. And it's really nice to see people who are engaged with making a tangible change because there's all sorts of DIC groups that'll be like, oh, well, like this change and this change, but nothing ever happens. But everyone who I've worked with so far has been super passionate and really driven towards finding solutions for problems. And you're a junior, so do you feel like you've seen a change then since your first year? I'm not sure I would say major changes, but some of the stuff that we're working towards that I know is going to be implemented. So for grad students, for example, they're removing the GRE from all applications. And now we're also working towards instead of test optional, going test line, SATs, ACTs are not needed. Even though I'm not seeing major changes personally, I know a couple years down the line, for like minorities and women in STEM who are matriculating, it'll be an environment where they can feel safer and more comfortable and hopefully it's more open. What would everyone say has been the biggest challenge? Have there been challenges being a woman in engineering so far? I would say it's definitely getting your voice heard, especially when you're in an all-male group project or even like the study groups. I know Physics 152, we started out in this big study group where it was mostly guys and then it was me, Cindy, Gabriella, and then Leah, and then some of the other girls. But I noticed whenever we're working together, we would know how to complete something and we would try to tell the group and kind of be ignored. And then whenever somebody else said something similar or, oh, I know the answer, they were a lot more willing to listen. And that was really frustrating. And that kind of carries to a lot of our other group experiences and classes and projects as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I would say that one of the biggest challenges is I feel like there's a lot of assumptions being made when you walk into a group, whether that's a study group or a project group where you're the only female. People expect you to know less and assume that you are going to be better at the non-technical roles, whether that's making the poster because you have nice handwriting, being the note taker and stuff like that. And I feel like there's just a lot of 
the invisible work of scheduling events, making sure everyone's in time and like organizing and sending emails and stuff that is necessary to complete the project, but isn't necessarily valued as much as writing the code or building the robot. So I think that there's the expectation that you're going to do that without ever being told that. And sometimes it's difficult to balance it. It's like, well, I want to code, you know, why can't I code? Why do you get to do all the coding? I know just as much as you. So I feel like what Priya was saying, get your voice heard and not being mansplained or having your point repeated exactly in class, exactly what you said. And all of a sudden when a male says it, it's a great idea. But when you say it, no one listens. So I would say that's one of the biggest challenges and just lack of retention as well. I definitely have a lot of close Pratt friends who are female and I love working with them, but I also have a lot of close female friends who were in Pratt and dropped. And just because of the way scheduling works, it's harder to hang out with them since you can't do as much work anymore. And it was frustrating for me to see that all of them drop because of the environment and the culture, not necessarily the content or their interest level. One thing that I've noticed in being a woman in engineering is that a lot of times when I introduce myself to anybody new, whether it's a friend, whether I'm at Duke, outside of Duke, then they say, oh, what's your major? And I say, I'm a mechanical engineer. And they always go, oh, really? Oh, I didn't know. Because it is a very notoriously difficult major. And so I, first of all, I find that really funny. Second of all, I do think that that reaction could be a little more prevented if we had more women in engineering and so I think it would be really great to see because more girls can do it and so even though I just find it something funny I think it is something that doesn't necessarily have to be a thing when you say your major. Gabriella, you're part of motorsports, which is usually thought of as stereotyped as not very many women involved. But I would say Duke Motorsports has a pretty good percentage of women on their team and in leadership, too. Yeah, I think that's actually really cool because right now our chassis leader, which is the team that I'm on, is a woman in engineering. And we had a senior last year who is now graduated and she's also a woman in engineering. So actually our team has had really good representation and we've been doing really well. I've learned so much and the communication is great. I've been learning how to build a jig, which is really cool. And it's kind of interesting because I actually had a related internship about chassis systems. And in that internship, I was actually the only girl on the team. There was another girl who showed up sometimes based on COVID Zooms, but it was interesting to see, okay, well, Duke really is unique for having that female representation in a group like the chassis team. Yeah, I also heard, because I'm friends with Alex, who's also on motorsport leadership, and I also heard that the majority of the leadership is female, but the same is not necessarily true for the actual team. And that's a little unfortunate, but also I think it's interesting how the leadership is more dominantly represented by females and how perhaps maybe the few females who do come to the team end up becoming a little bit more dedicated and end up in those leadership positions. And then I'm sure for the future, that'll be a really good representation of recruiting more females to the team and also retaining them. Raina, any experiences you've had as a woman in engineering that have been challenging or positive? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think Sydney and Priya brought up an unfortunately very common phenomenon of trying to have your voice heard, not having your voice heard. And then as soon as a male in your group says the same thing, suddenly it's the greatest idea they've ever heard. Definitely have had that experience as well. But what I've actually found, which is more positive note, is that there's definitely strength in numbers for us female engineers. Just having like the one other female engineer in my group when I was having a similar experience, having her back me up or really just having anyone back me up to give you that, that little extra support really went such a long way. So it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with the unity that we have in craft. I think it's really incredible. And that's great because that's also a piece of advice for incoming or current women that we have here in our undergraduate program would be to look at their group dynamic, right? Find support system, other things that you would suggest or, or advice. Yeah, definitely having your friends and sticking to them is a great thing to get you through. But just honestly being persistent. I know Dr. Simmons, like when I was struggling this, I talked to you about it. And honestly, just getting it off my chest made me feel so much better and just inspired me to go back and try again the next time. Eventually, they started listening. But unfortunately, we're going to have those experiences where you're not always heard the first time. So just trying and trying again and getting as much support as you can, I think is the best way to combat that. And I liked how Dr. Boyd Sinclair put it where maybe you don't necessarily call people out, but kind of ask people questions to kind of make them realize on their own how they're being a little discriminative or making them realize, oh yeah, this is a little unfair. I think that's also a good tactic and kind of cheesy, but push yourself out of your comfort zone. Maybe your experiences as a woman, you're not used to having to speak up, force people to listen to you. But I think forcing yourself to do that is good, even at fear of coming off a certain way with negative connotations. Yeah, I definitely agree with what Priya was saying of having different approaches to group situations. And I've noticed that if you phrase things in questions rather than statements, like Dr. Boyd Sinclair was also suggesting of being like, well, why do you think X, Y, or Z should happen? Or, you know, I should do this and you should do that rather than, no, you can't code, I'm coding. And just like being very demanding, that's not going to get anywhere because then people are just going to get defensive, you know, but instead making them try to understand the connection between why they want to do a certain thing or they made certain assumptions. And I also think a great piece of advice would be like find a female professor like Dr. Simmons, who is absolutely 12 out of 10. I think having someone who you can really look up to and see being super successful as a professor and like engineer on a professional level, but also just on an emotional level. I think I'm someone who has very high emotional intelligence and really values that. And that's not always the most expected thing to have as an engineer, especially since the work we do is very black and white. But I know everyone who has had Dr. Simmons loves her as a professor, not only because they learn a lot, she's a great teacher, but also because you can tell that she actually cares for their students. And it's more than just making sure they know how to build something. You know, it's like knowing that they are deserving of being whatever area of interest to them. So I think that if you can find a professor that you really relate to and just look up to, like even asking them for a flaunch is a great way to start and form that connection. Thanks, Sydney. That's very nice. Gabriella, do you have any advice? Yeah, I do have advice. The one that I was just thinking about is more on the concrete side, a very simple thing that you can do every day because we were talking about making yourself heard as a female. And so when I go to my big classes in my lecture halls, I personally like to sit right up in the very front row because then when I do that, I genuinely feel as if I am getting a one-on-one lecture. And I become so much more engaged with the material to where asking questions becomes second nature and just a part of the learning process. And then the whole class can hear you and you are definitely heard. 
And before I saw asking questions as, okay, maybe it's a way to make yourself stand out in class. Maybe the professor will somehow start remembering you. But no, when you really sit up front and engage, it just comes so naturally. And then you naturally make yourself heard. And it's just a never ending cycle. So I think that's something really cool that you can do. I also love Sydney's point about getting to know your professor on a higher level, because then when you sit up front, or even not necessarily then, it's really fun to just chat after class every once in a while. Dr. Simmons is also a great professor who's a woman in engineering. And then I also have another one this year and who's teaching one of my classes. And after many lectures, we just walk up and say, okay, first, maybe I have a question on the content. Second, how was the restaurant you went to? Can you recommend any to me? So when you do things like that, you also build a community and it just Once again, you get more engaged with the material, your voice gets more heard, and it just keeps uh, going. So I think that those are just a few very simple steps that you can take. I love it. I think mentorship is so important. And someone someone that has your back, that can listen, but also knows when to push you, right? Knows enough to say, hey, go out there, try this, you can do it, is really key at all stages of our life and careers. So I think that's fantastic advice. Anyone else have anything else to share? I would say if you can join the Fast Connections team called Girls Math Identity, I absolutely love it. There's Dr. Sophia Santian, who's mechanical engineering professor, and Dr. Tori Aiken, who's a math professor. And not only are they loved by like every one of their students, but they also are just expose your eyes to a lot of things I don't feel like I would have been exposed to as a Pratt student just because Fast Connections research isn't a requirement for like the ECECS major. I just took it on my own out of interest. It's a a research class where you look like the gender gap in STEM, learn ways to try to close that gap. Also, we work with Durham middle schoolers who are female identifying with math workshops to like get them more engaged and confident in STEM. So I think that that's a phenomenal class that you can really learn a lot of strategies on understanding the way society is structured or the way people value certain things affects the pipeline of women in STEM was super insightful to know how I want to better my future actions, align more with what I was understanding through that class rather than just like assumptions I was making based on my own personal experience. Also a book called Invisible Woman. It's a free audiobook on Amazon. I'm listening to that right now. And that's also absolutely phenomenal, pretty eye-opening. I agree. I second that book recommendation. The advice was really good. And I think the challenges were great because it's something that I hear from a lot of students. And it's not great that there is that challenge, but it is important to know that it exists and that other people have this and we need to we need to step up and make everyone aware of it and, and just get better. This Engineering Life is brought to you and supported by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editor is Priya Fares and Rania Zabinski. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audionautics, and Kevin McLeod. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we'll be chatting with Dean Lynch, the new Vinic Dean of the Duke University Pratt School of Engineering. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Fran. I'm Priya. I'm Raina. And I'm Grant. And thanks for tuning in to today's episode of This Engineering Life. We'll see you again next week.